0: But the Equality Act goes far beyond that because when you understand what this bill is, it's about anything but equality rather than advance equality it will it will radically rewrite civil rights law and destroy religious freedom protections it will impose gender ideology upon children, families, and faith based institutions. It will affect everything from, from bathroom privacy to the integrity of women's sports to the right of religious people and institutions to live according to their sacred beliefs. You're listening to Code Red with Secure America Now, the largest national security grassroots army.
1: Hi, I'm Alan Roth. Welcome to the Code Red podcast. Our guest today is Rick Hinshaw, editor, writer, and political activist. His valuable insights on issues like religious liberty can be found at rickhinshaw.com. Recently, Rick wrote a compelling critical review of Nancy Pelosi's so-called Equality Act. Rick, welcome to the podcast, and Rick, why should people be concerned about the Equality Act? What is it, and what can people do about it?
0: Okay, well, thank you for having me on, Alan, and to get right to it, the the Equality Act is is a, a, a grotesquely misnamed piece of legislation. And, and certainly, as you know, having been involved in national issues and legislation for years, it's normal procedure for a, a, a member of Congress to name a bill uh, uh, having to do with their subject matter, but to give it a positive spin, obviously. But the Equality Act goes far beyond that because when you understand what this bill is, it's about anything. But equality, rather than advance equality, it will it will radically rewrite civil rights law and destroy religious freedom protections. It will impose gender ideology upon children, families, and faith-based institutions. It'll affect everything from from bathroom privacy to the integrity of women's sports to the right of religious people and institutions to live according to their sacred beliefs. Uh, The 1964 Civil Rights Act prohibited discrimination on the basis of race, sex, or national origin. This bill would now include sexual orientation and gender identity, and it would thereby criminalize those who hold the beliefs and practices uh, recognizing marriage as between one woman and one man, and who believe that gender is a permanent biological reality, not a changeable social construct. To to get to some of the specifics, uh, the bill, if enacted, would force religiously operated facilities, for example, church halls, Knights of Columbus halls, to either host events like same-sex weddings that violate their beliefs or close their doors to the community. It would require women and girls to compete against biological men and boys in scholastic sports and to share restroom, locker room, and shower facilities with men and boys. It would mandate that faith-based charities either act in violation of their religious beliefs For example, shelters for battered and abused women would have to also house biological males, further traumatizing women who've already been terribly physically and emotionally abused, or forcing religiously-based foster care and adoption agencies to place children with same-sex couples, transgender couples, uh, non-married, uh, cohabiting heterosexual couples and even uh, polygamous arrangements—a man who's married to uh, three or four wives—could also claim, uh, based on anti-discrimination uh, laws under the Equality Act, you know, that he and, and his wives would have the right to adopt children from faith-based Christian or Jewish uh, uh, adoption agencies. Uh, it would also use pregnancy discrimination to mandate government funding of abortions and also to require healthcare providers to provide abortions uh, in violation of their conscience or their religious beliefs. It would force healthcare professionals against their medical judgment and or religious beliefs to facilitate gender transition treatments, including hormone therapies and surgical procedures. It would attack businesses especially small business and family owned businesses are jeopardizing their 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 businesses and their and and the jobs that they provide uh if they do not agree to violate their religious beliefs and Alan, we've already seen this play out uh in many states under state laws where bakers photographers caterers are uh, are are all brought into court and forced uh uh, under stringent, crippling fines or even by the threat of being driven out of business if their religious beliefs prohibit them from participating in, in same-sex weddings. Uh, and the bill would attack families, parents, and children by requiring treatments for children with so-called gender dysphoria, even though the vast majority of children's studies show outgrow such such confusion about their sexual identity by the time they reach puberty, uh, and of course, it would promote uh, uh, in our schools the type of of ideological uh, propagandizing on on same sex issues and gender issues uh, that are you know that are very threatening to and undermining of parents and parental rights. So to sum up, Alan, the Equality Act is a collection of self-evident contradictions, not to say hypocrisy. Under the guise of prohibiting discrimination, it would discriminate against people and institutions of faith, the very reason the U.S. Catholic Conference strongly opposes this bill. Under the guise of protecting privacy, it would deny women's privacy in restrooms, locker rooms, showers, and homeless shelters under the guise of promoting equality, it will undermine women's equality in sports. And of course, it denies equality to unborn children whose mass destruction it would further advance uh, by its provisions. Uh, So it is a dangerous and insidious bill. uh, And I should add, it exempts itself from the Religious Freedom Restoration Act to assure that that uh, people of faith and religious entities would have no legal recourse in in challenging this bill's violation of their rights. To understand, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act was passed with a bipartisan majority in 1993 and signed into war by Democrat President Bill Clinton. Uh, of course, what we have to remember is at that time, one of the main issues was the right of, of uh, Paiute Indians to use hallucinogens in their religious services. So it was kind of politically correct for liberal Democrats to support that religious freedom. But when it comes to upholding uh, Judeo-Christian religious freedoms, uh, they're they're not so willing to do that. And the act, just to be clear, Section 1107 states, this is of the Equality Act, that the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993 shall not provide a claim concerning or a defense to a claim under a covered title, or provide a basis for challenging the application or enforcement of of the Equality Act. So, uh, uh, as we said, it would it would exempt the Equality Act from Religious Freedom Protections and the Religious uh, Freedom Restoration Act. So so the bill uh, makes absolutely clear by that provision alone that it is a frontal assault on religious freedom, and that is one of its very many dangerous and insidious uh, features. Well,
1: Rick, uh, first off, thank you for a comprehensive overview of the what I would call the extremely heavy-handed approach of this bill. Basically, what you're saying is is that it doesn't uh, offer an alternative. It demands compliance, which is all the time actually complying to things that religious people in this country of all denominations of uh, firmly believe on a wide range of social issues. One of the things that you mention, uh, both in your blog on this subject, and again, you can uh, read the blog at rickhinshaw.com, is this idea of imposing gender ideology in our schools, and our churches, etc. Can you define gender ideology?
0: Well, basically, gender ideology is this, you know, it's based on this idea that gender is a social construct. You know, that there's there's almost no such thing as a biological male and biological female. It's all what people perceive and what we're encultured in- into believing about ourselves. And then it promotes the idea that it's very changeable and that many people uh, are not really of the gender that they were born into, that they, you know, they, if, they, if their sex is male, but they're not really male, they really uh, are female. And we know that there are abnormal cases of true gender dysphoria, but it's rather rare. And this idea that uh, these are just changeable social constructs uh, is, is, is uh, you know, it's a very insidious idea. It has been defined by Pope Francis as As not just wrong, but demonic, Pope Francis has called gender ideology demonic, and he's spoken out repeatedly against it, and he you know emphasizing as he would do uh that that compassion for individuals in any particular situation is needed, but that promoting this as an ideology and especially teaching it to children in schools is so fraught with potential for uh for real confusion and real undermining of children's sense of themselves and their self worth, uh, that it's 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 terribly terribly dangerous. And I would add, you know, when it comes to the sports question, even Martina Navratilova, who you know is known to be a you know a, a champion tennis player, uh, very outwardly gay, involved in in gay relationships. I'm not sure if she's actually uh, in a gay marriage, but. Uh, she has spoken out about the problems with this uh, uh, this attitude in sports that biological males, who clearly are are different biologically and whose bodies are much different and much stronger in a general sense than women, are uh, compete in women's sports and and uh, and and women in in scholastic sports have no real chance to compete on an equal playing field. So it's it's something that would just turn our understanding of ourselves as human beings upside down you know
1: um there have been some polls that have
0: asked uh americans
1: whether they support this concept of transgender males actually competing in women's sports and there's overwhelming opposition to Forcing women, most of the time girls in high school, uh, looking uh, to being forced to compete against biological males, and um, and given this huge opposition, uh, what how, how does one explain leaders like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer? how these people feel that they can impose this type of ideology on American women.
0: You know, as you say, with with the polls being so overwhelming, you wonder what is it that drives them to to even want to do this? You know, don't don't they feel it jeopardizes them politically? And I think part of the answer is if I could get political myself here, is the, uh, the terrorizing that's been carried out by the hard left in the Democratic Party and the hard secular left. Uh, I mean, we've seen this on a number of issues where Pelosi and Schumer have repeatedly caved in to the AOCs, the squad, you know, on, on issue after issue. And on things like this, where anybody who disagrees, even when it's the vast majority of the country, are demonized in 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 the way we are, uh, causes weak need politicians like this to cave in. You know, I wrote another r- blog recently uh, on uh, Tulsi Gabbard, the uh, uh, former congresswoman from Hawaii, who in her last days in office dared to introduce legislation to protect women's sports from this transgender invasion and Tulsi Gabbard who supports gay marriage, you know, she's, she supports Roe v. Wade. She's, uh, you know, on that side on the progressive side on these issues, but because she dared to try to have some balance, she was attacked as a bigot and a traitor, uh, you know, so, so people, you know, and people like Schumer and Pelosi seem just afraid to try to stand up to uh, uh to that very powerful effort that's, you know, on on the the hard left of the Democratic Party, but also in the media, among a lot of the corporations that have gotten behind all of this stuff. Uh, And and the the demonization is quite terrible. You know, uh, Houston Baptist University professor Robert Gagnon uh, talked about the equality bill, and he said uh, it will codify into law that you are a bigot, equivalent of a racist, tantamount to being a member of the Ku Klux Klan who must be shut out of society and wherever possible harassed and persecuted for your beliefs. And that's what's going on. And too many people who even agree with us and how insidious this kind of legislation is are afraid to speak out because they don't want to be demonized like this, especially with the online culture that we have today where you can be so dragged through the mud and your your beliefs and your uh, your values so distorted, and and you, as he says, labeled as a as a bigot, uh, you know uh, uh, analogous to a Klansman. And so, uh, I think for Pelosi and Schumer not to get inside their head, but it seems like from all their behavior, they just find it easier to go along with the influential hard left of their party and the media than to actually stand up and challenge it.
1: I remember uh, there was a an attempt to um, get extremely personal against Tucker Carlson and his family. That that they opposed what he was saying, and uh, they were going to publish his home address. They were going to attack. His family, his children. And as you say, this type of intimidation is, um, uh, it, it's very, very difficult for those who disagree with gender ideology and the related issues. But at the same time, Americans have to start speaking up or they're going to lose, uh, their ability to, uh, to believe things contrary to the elite.
0: Absolutely, Alan. And this is, and you, you know, you brought up something that has been uh, an ongoing thing on a lot of issues. You uh, recently with the whole uh, election controversy, you with know, Senator Josh Hawley's uh, wife and and little child were terrorized by demonstrators outside their homes. We see uh, conservative uh, legislators. Uh, harassed and terrorized in restaurants when they go and try to have a meal with their family. These are on a number of different issues, obviously, but the point is well taken that that uh, the, these attacks, this terror, not to mention the actual outright violence, which has gone on in our in our cities for the past eight or ten months, you know. Uh, uh, so, yeah, uh, people are are intimidated by that, but. You know you make such an important point we cannot be intimidated because if we are we're going to surrender our basic rights to believe anything to act on our beliefs we're going to surrender our rights to raise our own children because we'll be intimidated from teaching them what's right because we won't want them to be facing this kind of hatred and because we're surrendering to the schools uh The ability to teach their ch- our children whatever they want to re educate our children if you will uh in ways that uh that we find detrimental uh you know to their moral character, but if we don't stand up if we're not willing to have the courage to face down these these insidious attacks, whether it's the physical threats or just the you know, the smearing of our uh, of our persons and our reputations, if we're not willing to stand up against it, it's only going to get worse because we're only sending the message that this kind of thing works and that we will cave into it uh, and and they will have their way by attacking and intimidating us.
1: Well, amen to what you're saying here. If we remain silent, it's going to encourage the opposition to keep following these disgusting tactics because they will be gaining victories. There, in your in your op-ed on the Equality Act, you quote a um, a someone who's described as a gay conservative, Brad Palumbo, mm-hmm. who wrote an essay in the USA Today, in which he writes. The Equality Act goes too far for any level-headed gay rights advocate to support. And its blatant disregard for the basic right to religious freedom is appalling. It so happens, I'm not sure that Brad Palumbo actually knows Supreme Court Justice Alito. But in a recent speech, um, Justice Alito was saying that he is deeply concerned about the assault on religious liberty. A short quote from him, religious liberty is fast becoming a disfavored right. And you have alluded to what type of restrictions in terms of what can be taught Um, what can be sermonized about in churches, synagogues, wherever people gather. Um, Can you talk just a little more in depth in terms of this assault on religious liberty?
0: Sure. You know, this is something that uh, uh, it really goes back. It's just gotten more and more aggressive as time has gone on. But you know, one of the best ways to explain this is that when we talk about issues like abortion and same sex marriage, it has always been about forcing us to not only accede to, but participate. In their activities, we've mentioned what happens to small business people and family businesses who simply do not want to participate in same-sex weddings, and they're under legal assault, and they're going to be under far worse assault if the Equality Act becomes law. Uh, On abortion, they've striven for years to force us to participate in abortions through our tax dollars. Uh, uh, One of the things that came up on this issue, which is very illustrative here, is Xavier Becerra, the the nominee, Biden's nominee for U.S. Attorney General, who as Attorney General in California uh, not only had an absolute pro-abortion record and also in Congress, he sought after the Supreme Court struck down the Obama-era regulation that would have required religious employers like the Little Sisters of the Poor to provide coverage not only for contraceptives but for abortion-inducing drugs. After the Supreme Court said they couldn't do that, Becerra joined a group trying to overturn that Supreme Court ruling. Then he went after pro-life pregnancy centers who provide alternatives to abortion. The exact freedom of choice that the abortion lobby uh, crusades for. And Basera tried to force these pro-life centers to have to refer for abortions. And he, he argued it before the Supreme Court. Fortunately, led by Justice Clarence Thomas, the court struck it down and said, you cannot force them to recommend procedures whose opposition to is the very reason they exist. But the point is here that this, again, is an assault on our right to practice our beliefs it's the idea not just that we want the right to abortion we want to force you to be involved in promoting or paying for abortions even if you don't believe in it even if you have religious beliefs against it and we want you to have to be forced to participate in same-sex weddings even if your religion teaches against it so uh, yes, it's, it's it's a frontal assault on religious freedom. Uh, it's not a question of promoting choice. They want to bring us to heel, especially they want to bring churches and religious institutions who uphold traditional values, they want to bring them to heel, because if they can be forced to have to participate in these things, then their credibility in opposing them is, is totally undermined.
1: Uh, Going back briefly to what we were talking about uh, earlier, uh, despite the fact that things look quite dark, when you look at some of these appointees that Biden has made, it doesn't look very good in terms of the set of issues that we're talking about here, religious freedom, um, religion. uh, the right to think differently than what the government says, um, et cetera. But we here at Scare America Now, we have gone up against um, some pretty bad uh, initiatives by the government. And we preach, contact your elected officials. Don't just believe that the battle is lost. We have to contact our congressman. We have to contact our Board of Education folks, we have to contact them and let our voices be heard. Because in fact, if enough of us contact these people, they start taking us seriously. That, um, uh, do you ascribe to that? Or should we just go into what some people have called the Benedict option that we build a wall around communities of like-minded let's say conservatives and not worry about what's going on in the general population where do you come down in that debate
0: no alan i'm i am with you on this it's tempting to kind of retreat into you know our own uh, enclaves of like-minded people and hope that we cannot uh, you know we can we can weather this these these dark times uh but uh, first of all uh, I don't think that's going to work. Again, they are determined to force us all to be part of this, and they're not going to let us simply retreat into our own little enclaves uh, and and live according to our beliefs. They want to prevent us from living according to our beliefs. So that's the first thing. It, it, I, I don't think we could do it anyway. But the second thing is, uh, I think, and certainly my Catholic faith teaches that we have a moral obligation. To be involved uh, in the public square, to make our voices heard, uh, to offer the moral teachings of, of our faith, you know, and of, of Catholic faith, of Christian faith, of the Jewish faith, of, of Mormon, uh, Islamic faith. Those who are, you know, are true believing Muslims uh-huh. in the United States, living according to our laws, who hold the same basic moral values on some of these things, and all of us are. We have an obligation to make our voices heard, because uh despite what obviously these secularists would love to have happen, uh, religion religious discussion should be part of the public discussion. It's not imposing one's religious beliefs to say, "Well, here's what we believe, and here's why," and consider this as well as considering other opinions as we come to a consensus. On our laws and public policies, uh, and I don't think we have a moral right to retreat from that and not make our voices heard because we might be ridiculed, because we might be attacked, or simply because it doesn't look like we can win given the the powerful forces arrayed against us. And I would I would cite the abortion issue as a good example on this. Alan, you know, back. When they were legalizing abortion late '60s and early '70s, culminating re- with Roe v. Wade, uh, the feeling in the you know in the establishment circles was it's going to take a generation or so, and then you know everybody's going to accept abortion. You know, young people born into the abortion culture are going to accept it, and you know all this opposition is going to go away over time. Well, that hasn't happened again. Powerful forces have kept abortion intact, but we've seen that you know there there's there continues to be a very strong consensus even among younger generations born into the abortion culture that there's something wrong with this, and even though we don't probably have a majority now that believes in complete protection for unborn children, we have an American population that remains you know almost fifty years after row profoundly uncomfortable with abortion especially with the wide open abortion culture that we have in this country there is an innate sense a a sense really founded in the natural law that there is something fundamentally wrong with this killing of of innocent human life in the womb so i think Uh, A part of that is, yes, that that natural law is is ingrained in people's hearts, but it's brought out by the strength, the tenacity, the persistence of the pro-life movement, which continues to keep this issue in the forefront, continues to raise and feed people's doubts. Uh, about the abortion mentality and the abortion culture. So we've got to do it on these other issues as well. We have to keep pounding, uh, knowing that if success is to come, it will come in God's time, not ours, but the obligation is ours to make our voices heard.
1: You know, very well said. Um, I've been involved in multiple issues, uh, campaigns, multiple issues, everything from... Uh, stopping the Iran nuclear arms deal uh, to uh, Mm -hmm. various social issues, etc. And I often cite the Right to Life movement, how despite the array of powerful forces against it, actually in terms of organization, have not only kept the issue alive, but also educated generations of people. Mm-hmm. And you referred to some polling that younger people are actually more pro-life than their parents were. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. this is from Gallup. This is not from some conservative pollster. But um, I want to uh, number. I want to end this conversation. Um, uh, by saying a couple of things. Number one, thank you for uh, putting yourself out front with your blog, with this conversation and other things that you do in standing up for what's right, what are American ideals. So I wanna thank you for doing that, given this rather hostile environment. Mm -hmm. But also, when I saw your, the blog, posts that we've been talking about, it, you entitled it Equality in quotation marks, Equality Act is Anything But. And I was reminded of a, a this misuse of words, deliberate misuse of words. I was reminded of one of the characters in George Orwell's novel, 1984. He says, It's a beautiful thing to do to destruct words, the destruction Mm. of words. Mm -hmm. And the other side does this all the time. They're not interested in truth. They're not interested in debate. They're interested in, frankly, destroying words and using it for what they weren't meant to be. And... um, so once again, Rick, rickhenshaw.com to get the, uh, the wisdom of, uh, of Rick's insights. Although occasionally he diverts from serious issues and he, um, <laughs> he writes about the New York Mets. We will, we, <laughs> we, we will not hold him responsible for that. But, <laughs> uh, but in any event, Rick, thanks for taking the time, for sharing your extremely important insights to an extremely important
0: set of issues. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Alan, and thank you for all that you do. Take care. Regards home. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Code Red Podcast. Be sure to click subscribe to stay up to date and be the first to hear about our future podcast. You can also find and subscribe to the Code Red Podcast on Podbean, Spotify, Google Play,
1: and YouTube.